Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash supernerdpals. With Audible, you get over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash supernerdpals. Sign up today. What's up, pals? Welcome to episode 132 of the Super Nerd Pals podcast. I'm her, uh, I'm your host for today, Chris Sampson. And I'm Stan Gadurski. And uh, Ryan and Andy are both stuck in the ghost dimension. Uh, so it's only Stan and I this weekend, but we have a great show for you today. Stan, how you been? Good. Want to congratulate Ryan and Tom on their engagement. They had their party. Congratulations! Woo! Um, and happy birthday, Lucy. And he's happy Andy's birthday girlfriend. and congratulations, Stan and, and Andy. That, that was an awesome episode you guys did last week with the one and only Mega Brand. Yeah, I was so jealous. Um, uh, when you guys were recording it, I was on the way back from New York Comic Con working, so we didn't actually precisely when you guys were recording, we just finished up unloading or, or packing up New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con is one of the cons where. I, I dread setup and breakdown because it's New York City and traffic everywhere. And it took us like two hours to get out. Uh, so like right around like quarter after seven, we just left the Javits Center. So there's no possible way uh, I could have called in. But anyway, you, I, the, the show is great. You had a good time. I enjoyed listening to the episode. And I hope everyone who's listening uh, out there, I hope you also listened to the last episode, episode 131, and also had a good time with... Stan, Andy, and Mega Ran. Thank you, Mega Ran, again for being on the show. If you haven't listened to it, please go back. It was last week, episode 131. And Mega Ran is going on tour soon, so you should check out. Oh, he's on tour uh, now. Oh, he's on tour now, yes. So check out all your local venues to see he's coming to a show near near you. Anything else new, Stan? Eh, eh. Not much. It's been like recovery since New York Comic Con, I think. That was just like a mm-hmm. really big weekend for... All of us, I think. It was SMP Summit. What up? It was pretty good. Yeah, our annual annual dinner, which mm-hmm. which is good. At the one and only Cab Caliente. But let's get the show rolling with the news flash. <laughs> Hadouken. Tiger. Apricot. Um, this past Friday, uh, Friday the 13th, actually, the final trailer for Stranger Things Season 2 came out. This was following a couple months after the San Diego Comic-Con trailer. I don't know. I, I feel like there was one other teaser. I don't remember. No, there was a, there, there was two other teasers. There was teasers, like a Super Bowl but, teaser, I think. Yes, that's right. Uh, and then there was a teaser where it was just the title card and it had all the names of the episode titles on it. Uh, but this is the second uh, trailer, or actually the third trailer. Uh, where we we got a bunch of new footage, and it's also the final one because it's premiering very soon. It's, it's premiering October twenty seventh on Netflix. So, uh, this trailer was insane. I I lost my I lost my mind watching this trailer. Uh, I cannot 
I cannot wait. Stan, do you have any thoughts on the trailer? I didn't see it. I don't plan on seeing it because I want to I want to save my baby eyes for the actual show. It's it's the one thing that well not the one thing, but the one of the biggest things Kirstie and I look forward to watching together cuz we were really into the first season. And Kirstie didn't think she was going to be into it, but we saw the first episode together and she's like that was great. So we watched the whole thing. And she watched it again by herself recently. Nice. So That's great. We're ready for season 2 and I don't want to. The only way I, I would able I would be able to watch the trailers if I watched it with her together, because that's how like big our pact is over this. So I didn't. She if she didn't see it, I didn't see it. So I'm not going to see it without her. Okay, but, so uh, it's really hard to talk about this. I, I don't spoilers. mind if you spoil <laughs> it for me. It's just I can't physically see it with my eyes. Okay. Don't don't okay. do anything heavy, but like talk. You know, uh, part of the trailer, part of the plot premise, uh, we're sort of familiar with. Uh, based on previous trailers where especially with the ending of season one where there's an even bigger crisis involved especially centered around Will Byers uh, of how um, he still has this weird connection to the upside down Uh, at the end of season one uh, there's a really creepy scene where he's in the bathroom and he flashes into the upside down we were at the time we weren't sure if this was like hallucinations uh, but f- judging from the trailer, it actually seems like he's he's being able to, like, being transported in and out, uh, like or blink in and out, the upside down. This takes place in Halloween, so almost a year later since the events of season one. This takes place in 1984, so during this year, like Ghostbusters came out. So you, you got these really cool shots from the Super Bowl teaser and this trailer, where all the kids are dressed up as the Ghostbusters. And there's a ever bigger threat going on. It could be the Thessal Hydra. It could be uh, an even greater entity from the Upside Down or f- from some other uh, dimensional rift or d- dimension. And maybe maybe the Upside Down, which is one possible dimension connected to Hawkins, Indiana, and our world. It looks so much fun. Everything from this from these trailers looks so freaking good. You know, you just got more of this Eldritch Horror. Uh, you got Steve Steve Harrington, and he, one of the things I'm really appreciating in the trailers um, is that with Steve's arc, a lot of it was with uh, Nancy and Jonathan, and here we see a lot more of Steve interacting with Dustin and uh, uh, Will, Mike, uh, and Lucas. So he's he's interacting more with the kids. So I, I like that switch up a bit. We're getting that more of that small time conspiratorial twins Twins Peak kind of feel. You know, the mystery of the Hawkins lab is is still there and it's expanding outwards. And we're also still dealing with like the, the, the negative con or the, the consequences of season one. For like for example, there's one really interesting shot where we're introduced to his new character. He looks like a like a conspiracy uh theorist guy. I think more likely or a more interesting, compelling thing or theory would be that it's Barb's father. Or, or uh, who's tracking all the events uh, that's that are tied around Barb's disappearance? As of season one, we saw Barb in the Upside Down. Actually, that's a, that's a great question for season two. Like, did they actually recover her body or leave her in the Upside Down? Uh, just many questions to be answered, and we'll find out all of these answers, and we'll have new questions for us in two weeks. Uh, but Stan, what, what are you lo- most looking forward to in season two? I just want more spookies. You know, 
<laughs> I want to. S- You're gonna get a ton of it, like just all the crazy eldritch spider smoke monster things yeah. in the sky, like the the Thessal Hydra. Um, you just got uh, you you just got like these crazy flashes of will flashing in and out, and like experiencing hallucinations. And a lot of the trailer seems to imply that the upside down is is literally bleeding to our world. So it's not just because of rifts. Like there's like uh, a lot of the visual visuals in the trailers involve tunnels and tunnel imagery and our characters like jim hopper and the kids traversing through tunnels so like maybe there's some deep evil burrowing underneath hawkins and they have to like go go into these tunnels and you know and and seek out them it's it looks it looks so good i also want to see 11 Mm -hmm. definitely me and kirstie's favorite character on the show so Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm Ah, oh, man. I just season two. I just like the aesthetic to the eighties, the whole eighties thing, and I just like seeing more of it. So I'm really yeah. It's really it's really interesting. Like you have the Ghostbusters, and then another big eighties hook is at the beginning of this. Tra- oh, I, I, actually, well, at the beginning of the Comic Con trailer, it starts out with the kids uh, playing this arcade game called Dungeon Maze. Uh, and it's a really cool-looking retro arcade game in that it plays out more like a Western visual novel. Like it's not like it's like you're it's like a, a cartoon uh, that's playing out in front of you, and like the visuals were done by uh, the same creators for or same creators from The Secret of Nim, The Land Before Time, and An American Tale. Mm. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, I'm so I'm so sorry. Um, but um, it plays like a visual novel where like all these cinematics play in front of you, and you click on different commands. When you like like you're, it's like a a very very a very much like a D and D story. Uh, you play as a knight. You have to rescue a princess from this evil dragon in this palace, controlled by this dark like necro- necromancer lich kind of character. I I feel like it, it's totally on purpose, like similar to how. The D and D campaign at the beginning of season one, and also the the, the book end of the end at the end of season one, uh, turned out to be teasers and foreshadowing for the rest of the story. I feel like this arcade game could provide subtle hits or hints into the story for season two, which is really interesting. The, the Comic Con trailer was also really cool, uh, tied to this eighties motif. How they they did this like this super cool synthy. A remake or re- a remix of Michael Jackson's Thriller, and they they really really did this well executed matchup between Vincent Price's narration with the rest of the trailer, and it just it just sets the mood right. Uh, Sean Astin of Goonies fame, he's gonna be a main character in season two. Uh, he's playing Joyce Byers' new boyfriend. It, it's really fitting that he's gonna be in Stranger Things, where a lot of Steven Spielberg's uh, a lot of Steven Spielberg's work, including the Goonies, help inspire the motif and the feel and the visuals of the show. The name you're looking for, Chris, was Don Bluth, by the way. That's right. Thank you. Dragon's Lair, Space Ace, Secret Nymph, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. So stay tuned. Two weeks. Can we talk about the new Mutants trailer right now? Yes, that let's, was ca- let's do it. Also scary. And also 80s-tastic, because... Well, actually, I don't know if it's 80s, but 
that too had very excellent use of music. They were using like a super creepy version of uh, Another Brick in the Wall uh, by Pink Floyd. Yeah, so the New Mutants, that's Fox's latest X-Men movie. Um, it's They're going really... They're going to a really bold new direction. This is the first ever X-Men related like psychological horror theme movie. Isn't it um, the only superhero movie period that's like this? I mean, maybe Spawn, but like I don't think Spawn is like direct and Blade, I guess, but like they, those don't seem like Blade and Blade and Spawn, I mean they they definitely have like supernatural they have horror, horror elements, elements but... but they're more action than horror or they're yeah. more action than psychological thriller. I mean, we could um this is a bit of uh I'm not spooked by those movies. Mm-hmm. This movie could spook me. Yeah. I mean, jumping ahead, I feel like this movie is a, is a taste of what to come of what the Venom movie could be cuz that's also being panned as psychological thriller. I think horror. Fox decided to beat Sony to the punch. Yeah, I like, think so Fuck too. You were doing this first. Mhm. But I'm really really excited for the new mutants uh movie. Um because I I'm really I've been really wishing for a new mutants property for a long while. Chris I don't yes. know who the New Mutants are. Can you please tell me and those of us listening who don't know anything about the New Mutants? Because I just I just don't know anything about them. Of course I can. Okay, so who are the New Mutants? So they're, they're, they're a spinoff uh, team of from the X-Men. They were created in 1982 uh, by Chris Claremont and initially drawn by uh, Bob McCloud. So at the time... You had the the X-Men who were, were at, at this point in the continuity, they're a little bit aged up. And the new mutants were uh, a second a second generation of younger mutants also being trained uh, for, uh, uh, for you know, taking on uh, threats to mankind. Uh, and at the time, like Barbara Cloud, he was working on it for a short amount of time, but he couldn't keep up with the work. So... New Mutants uh, didn't really get its own true footing and true calling and true uh, true following uh, until the work of uh, Bill Sink. Oh, I'm sorry. Oof. Until the work of Bill Sinkevich. and Bill Sinkevich, he's like this crazy avant-garde, really out there, who's really known for like impressionist style artwork. It's, it, he 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 brings this really ethereal, uh, mystical. Th- feel to his work uh if i i think of think of bill sinkevich as like the grant morrison of of art like it's he does like this really weird really pushing the envelope kind of uh psychedelic art so because of this crazy art style and because of the new mutants i guess boldness to stray away or to explore a lot of material that the original x-men explored like original x-men at this time they were still very much about being like a very politically charged superhero soap opera with new mutants uh it was more of a like experimental experimental foray into like themes that 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 the comics or the x-men comics haven't really explored before so it featured a lot about uh mysticism there was more a lot about like sci-fi and fantasy concepts as, as opposed to like standard superhero fare. So 
They explored a lot about demons, uh, demonic dimensions, alternate futures, like lost civilizations, uh, lost uh, secret societies. The most, the most, one of the most uh, popular comic book arts from the New Mutants is called the Demon Bear Saga, which is about this psychic and physical force that that seems to take on this demonic bear, but um, it's still it was it's still largely left to like the imagination. It's like it it's like a it's basically a demonic bear demonic bear eldritch entity that's stalking the. Uh, the New Mutants, and it's like one of the most famous storylines, and a lot of that storyline seems to be influencing the story of the movie. The movie is uh, on its face. It's gonna take on the screenwriter's love for Stephen King and John Hughes movies and mash them together with with their also their with also their mutual love for Marvel comics, especially X Men. So, so it's being directed by Josh Boone. And the screenplay was written by Josh Boone and Nate Lee, Nate, Nate Lee. Uh, and again, there it's the movie. The movie's preface is basically like a John Hughes movie, where it's about like five misfit mutant teenagers, but with a bit of Stephen King, where they're, they're locked in this medical hospital or this this facility, and they're trying to escape. And uh, really weird shits happening, and that's very much in line with. The typical flair you, you can find in the New Mutants, um, and with this movie, it's preserving the original five members of the New Mutants team. So you have Anna Taylor Joy as Ilyana Il- Il- uh, Rasputin or Magic, so also known as Colossus' younger sister. Uh, she's a Russian mutant who has the power to teleport, and she's also a sorceress. Um, like she goes to limbo and learns a whole bunch of magic shit and can wield a soul sword. I'm not sure if they're going to lean hard into that hard into the sorcery stuff, but that'd be really interesting. Uh, you have Maisie Williams of Game of Thrones, uh, of Game of Thrones fame playing Rain Sinclair or Wolfsbane. And she's a Scottish mutant with the power to transform into a, a wolf-like being, um, She's also very informed, uh, and and I guess indoctrinated by fundamentalist religious beliefs, having grown up in that kind of child or having grown up in that kind of family uh, unit or family dynamic, and her parents basically basically led her to believe that her transformations are the result of her sins as opposed to being a mutant ability. Uh, this is really interesting. Uh, so. Uh, uh, a great transition point, a great connective tissue towards our chat about Stranger Things season two. Uh, you have Jonathan Byers uh, as uh, as a character in this movie. So, no, Jonathan Byers is played by Charlie Heaton, and he's playing Sam Guthrie or Cannonball, and he's a a mutant from Kentucky who has the power to literally propel himself at concussive speeds like a cannonball. Uh, and he's he becomes invulnerable while propelling himself. Uh, you have Henry Zaga as Roberto De, uh, De Costa, who plays Sunspot, who's a mutant from Brazil with the power to manipulate solar energy. Uh, you have Blue Hunt as Danielle Moonstar, or Mirage, uh, a Native American mutant who has the power to create illusions drawn from the fears and desires of... of a a particular person 
And lastly, you have Alice Braga as Cecilia Re- uh, Reyes. Uh, she's the mentor of the group. She, I think she's the doctor that we see consoling them, but she's, I always got like a really creepy feel, a feeling from her too. And she has the power to generate protective force fields around people. Um, so yeah, so that's the new mutants in a nutshell. Uh, so Stan, what are your thoughts about the trailer and about the new mutants? Well, now that I know the magic's in it, I'm even more interested because she's one of the coolest mutants. Unfortunately, she's not going to be mentored by Doctor Strange since he's MCU. So that sucks. But I'm interested with in this horror take. I mean, on the one hand, I wish the mutants would revert back to the MCU or they work out some sort of deal with Marvel and Disney only because the Inhumans is garbage. And I really wish Marvel would stop trying to make the Inhumans happen, but um, I can't fault Fox for holding on to them because that's the only thing that they have going for them in terms of superhero stuff. Like the Fantastic Four stuff is like terrible, but Logan's really good. Um, Deadpool's really good. And then they have an infinite amount of like spin-off. Not just the X-Men. You got your New Mutants. You got X-Force. You got... Excalibur, Alpha Flight, with the X Men adjacent continuity and canon they have, they they can keep making movies for like another fifty years, like not yeah. even exaggerating. They're gonna have like a a iron death grip on the on the mutants like rights, which is specifically why they're making it so that Squirrel Girl isn't really a mutant. Yeah, I'm just really impressed by the talent. They have like they got Maisie Williams. They got Charlie Heaton. Oh, wow. Anya Taylor-Joy, who plays Magic. She was in a lot of really cool psychological thriller movies already. She's She's been in The Witch. She's been in Split. And she's going to be also in Glass, the, the sequel to uh, Unbreakable and Split, which is really interesting. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to all these movies. Um, and I I really want to see more horror superhero movies like i know with the new spawn movie being held by todd mcfarlane himself i know in a lot of interviews lately he's been saying this will be straight up horror and psychological and psycho- psychological thriller as well so that's really that's something i would really i'm really really looking forward to is there any other movies or properties you want to see like straight up like a, a straight up blade horror movie i mean i know we i i, I really enjoyed the blade movies as they are but you know, that'd be cool to revisit. Or maybe, like, if you, or maybe in MCU, you could have, like, I don't know, like, a spidey, a spidey Mobius the Vampire. Or, I'm sorry, Morbius. Wow. Morbius the Vampire flick. They gotta, they fucking gotta get Doctor Doom back from Fox so they can do the Doctor Strange Doctor Doom movie. Like, they have, like, they have to go to hell. They have to fight Mephisto. Like, I need, like, mm. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I want. That's what I would love. Just get Doctor Doom. Leave the Fantastic Four, take Doctor Doom. That's fine. They can fight uh, Galactus. I don't know. <laughs> Anybody else. They can fight Mole Man. Just give Doctor Doom over. Just hand him over. Just hand him over. We need him. Mm, yeah. That's about it. That's I want to see them take something that's not supposed to be horror and make it horror. Just for fun. Mm. Like, Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Howard the Duck takes a wrong turn on the bus and ends up in Silent Hill. Yo, I would, I would totally watch that. <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me that movie. 
Oh, that's good. Cool. Uh, so stay tuned for more news about the new mutants and check out the trailer. If you haven't seen it yet. It, it is super spoopy. Uh, you just got like shit. Like it's like a lot like Stranger Things. You just got like faces and and hands trying to bust through walls and and lots of screaming and they're all trapped in this hospital and oh it's it looks so good i cannot wait speaking of blade i have an update on our blade. is he a daddy <laughs> did you get a paternity test i have an update on our our quest to discover blade's progeny um so back in 2015 back when marvel was doing one of their many many relaunches they were supposed to be a all new blade book uh called blade the hunter i think uh written by tim seeley and it was supposed to star fallon gray which is blade's daughter <gasps> who has never been mentioned until they announced this series that never happened so she's in limbo she's in literal it was limbo supposed to come out so it's supposed to come out in 2015 it didn't happen all the all new di- all new all different marvel books came and went and blade never happened um it's supposed to be written by tim seeley and i found an article from the observation deck which i will link i guess in the show notes but they interviewed tim seeley because he went to dc full-time and asked him what happened and basically he was just like he was on board to do it but he felt that he couldn't write the book as well because he was like a white dude and he didn't want to be like this white guy writing a black female character when he felt like a black female writer could do a better job especially with with what they were doing with black panther and stuff so it never happened so fallon gray is potentially blade's daughter but because this series never happened, Blade was daddy? <laughs> Question mark? Blade is pseudo-daddy? Blade, Blade, Blade is Schrodinger, Schrodinger's daddy. Yeah, he's know. Schrodinger's daddy. He's both a dad and not a dad at the same time. That is your answer. Is Blade daddy? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, the, the answer is yes and no. Yeah, it's both <laughs> yes determined. and no at the same time. We will We will never know the real answer, I guess. Does, does, um, does that mean she's a quarter damn fear or also a half or, or half damn fear or like a daywalker? What, what's the what's the genetics of vampires and, and, and half breeds and stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess she's she's in limbo, so it doesn't really matter until until Tim Seeley or someone else picks up the project again. <sighs> yeah, there you go. The world may never know. Bring it. Bring her back. I want Let's this see. right now. Get an appropriate writer and then bring it back, because I, I want a blade like main main series. I don't want him just being part of Spirits of Vengeance. He needs to be back, like, and bring his daughter, so we can finally answer this question, definitively or not. Um, and I have one more piece of news for you, Chris. All right. Apparently, Nintendo filed a trademark for the Game Boy recently. That wait. Shouldn't they have a, tra- a trademark for it already? Um. Well, so so this was this news came from a website called NintendSwitch.com, and apparently a Japanese trademark bot on Twitter tweeted out a new trademark for the Game Boy, and which happened on September fifteenth, and included an image of the Game Boy. And well, so 
It covers like a lot of things, including home video game console, programs for smartphones, smartphone cases, smartphone covers, key holders, necklaces, watches, etc., etc. Um, but some people are saying that it could be a Game Boy Classic, a re-release like the Super Nintendo Classic. Wow. And uh, the Game Boy came out in 1989, so we were quickly approaching the 30th anniversary of the Game Boy. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, Chris, what games would you put on a Game Boy Classic? Oh, God. Uh, well, let me refresh my Game Boy knowledge. Well, if you if you want, like, it doesn't have to be just Game Boy. You can include Game Boy Color in there if you want. Because I don't know if it's just supposed to be... I don't know if, if 30 black and white monochrome green green hued games would sell that well <laughs> like if they release <laughs> just the old game boy games i feel like they should throw some color in there yeah at uh, least I, what i want them to do is release game boy color game boy and game boy advance on one like super game boy oh, system that would be insane. just include all three generations of the game boy oh uh, man stan you're, you're pulling me on the spot okay well Obviously, I want Pokemon Red and Blue, but I feel like you can always, I, I mean, I feel like you, you could already acquire those on, like, the Virtual Console, right? You could, but you can also acquire a lot of what's on the SNES Classic on the 3DS and the Wii U, mm. so mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters. Okay. Oh, uh, God. Okay. Uh, Pokemon Red and Blue. Let's see. Man. You can so- just, just give me five. It's fine. Okay. Okay. All right, I can give you a couple while, while, while we wait for you. Yeah, I'm so, I'm uh, so bad at it's these. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Uh, Tetris. Okay. First okay. of all. Um, Donkey Kong 94 okay. would be another one that I'd put on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd put Super Mario Land 2, six golden coins. Um, instead of Super Mario Land 1, because I don't really like Super Mario Land 1 that much. Super Mario Land 2 has, like, weird stuff going on in it also, but it also introduced Wario. And so that one has a special spot for me, so I'd rather have that more than anything. Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. DX, because color. Uh, Pokemon Crystal. Pokemon Yellow. And throw in Zelda Ages and and Seasons also. And Metal Gear Solid. (laughs) <laughs> of course. For of course. the Game Boy. Of course. Color. I love that game a lot. Resident Evil Gaiden. <laughs> that game was awful, but like put it on there. Okay. There's have you have you ever played or heard of Resident no, Evil Gaiden? No, this is my first time. It sounds right, awesome. So, it, just, it just sounds like Resident like 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 Ninja Gaiden, but you just swap in Solid Snake. All right. So basically, the premise is that Leon and Barry end up on this cruise ship. And okay, <laughs> <laughs> because reasons. Um, and I don't know why Resident Evil has like this big like fetish for for boats, but boats are they're awesome. Always, Take they're always back. on a ship. Resident Evil Seven, Resident Evil Five, uh, Revelations. Anyway, so they're on the ship, and there's zombies on the ship. And the way you wait, 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 atta- there's zombies on the ship. Yeah, it's Resident Evil. Come on. What? <laughs> so there's zombies on the ship. Basically what happens is every time you encounter a zombie, it switches into like this RPG, like bat like active time battle thing, but it's like the zombies coming at you and on on the bottom of the screen there's like this bar with like like an indicator moving back and forth really fast. 
and underneath each zombie is like a little like almost like a rhythm game where you have to hit it like on the spot as it's moving back and forth like a metronome so you hit it on the spot and then you shoot the zombie but only if you hit it on the spot if you miss you miss the zombie so you gotta you gotta like keep hitting on the on the right area of the screen like press the button at the right time to shoot the zombies and that happens every time and for some reason the game ends with like Oh, we saved the day, but then there's, like, this super, super close-up of, like, Leon's face, and it looks like he's got, like, a cut, or, like, he's infected or something. Oh, no! <laughs> Plot twist! And his and his mouth is really detailed for some reason. Like, his lips look really chapped. <laughs> it just That's, like, the, the strongest visual I have of that game, but that's Resident Evil Gaiden. Okay. Sounds good. Um, God, I'm, I'm so horrible at these... Yeah, I mean, Capcom's got, like, a shit ton of stuff on this, the Super Nintendo Classic, so they they should have... <laughs> I'm looking at the image now. They should have this on there, because... As, like, hell yeah. as the cover? Nice. No, just, like, in, in the game. Mm. Like, can I can I give this to you? I don't know. Technology, can I Can I send you this image? Uh, maybe, Hold on. Maybe? Here. Well, it's loading. It's like my, it's loading. my favorite. It's my favorite video game screenshot. We're, we're heading home. <laughs> Look at his mouth. Oh, <laughs> it's all chat. He needs chapstick. Come on, someone help this guy. Why is it so detailed? Why do they spend so much of the Game Boy's resources detailing Leon's mouth? Because he's like, his only his lips are are necrifying. <laughs> uh, that's pretty great. I want that. That's really cool. Okay, so for me, Pokemon Red and Blue. Double Dragon. Oh, you know what? You know what I love? I really miss. I used to play the Pokemon trading card game on the yes on the Game Boy Color all the time. That game was dope. Kirby's Dreamland. Kirby's yes, it's Kirby's Dreamland Two. Uh, Metroid Two. Um, yeah, good, good, good pick. Uh, Final Fantasy Adventure because I I love anything Final Fantasy. Okay, they should re they should release finally the prototype like remake of resident evil one for the game boy oh th- that was a thing i had no idea yeah it's they tried to like make a version of it on the game boy mm-hmm. it's interesting mm-hmm. dragon ball z legendary super warriors oh, for the game boy color yes yes please that game takes you from the beginning of the saiyan saga all the way to the end of the boo saga and it's a card battle game but in an rpg format so you're basically you're beating the other characters in the game like the villains with cards but it's it's displayed as like a battle on the, on the top of the screen so it's like you'll you'll play like a kamehameha and then goku will like do it to the to vegeta or whatever and it's like that through the whole game it's really hard but it's really cool and when i was a kid it was like having the entire show in my pocket so i'm looking up all the dragon ball games for like the game boy um was, oh, but that could be a whole different that, show. Yeah, Listen, that could be a whole there's... episode of Dragon Chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember what was my favorite one from the Game Boy. Um... Legacy of Goku? Legacy of Goku 2? Boo's Fury? Well, this, GT Transformation? This list sucks. What the hell? <laughs> At, go, J- Dragon Ball Advanced Adventure? There's one that I'm missing. Oh, um, Supersonic Warriors? Game Boy Advance. Oh, there's a collectible card game for the Dragon Ball Z 2. Of course there is. Um... That one's bad, though. Uh, Taiketsu, perhaps? No. No one likes Taiketsu. We should. I think, you know what? Yeah. You're... This is now a cursed podcast because I mentioned <laughs> No, Taiketsu. no, you're talking about Legendary... Okay, I was thinking of Legendary Super Wars 2. Yes, please make that into... Yeah, there you yes. go. Okay, we're, all, we're good. We're good. 
All right. There you go. Those are our, our Game Boy Classics. And that was the news. That was the news. Well, thank you, Stan. Um, so we, we teased about this a little bit before, but let's dive into it. Uh, so, Stan, uh, let's talk about New York Comic Con. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Best one in years. <laughs> uh, so, te- Stan, tell me what you did. I did a lot of walking around this year. Um, the pro- the one issue that I had with Comic Con this year is that they moved Artist Alley. Well, I mean, they because they're, they're doing construction. Yeah, they're doing a ton of yeah. renovation. They're yeah. So that as an exhibitor, it was kind of nerve wracking because earlier in the early in the year, I got a kind of a distressing, stressful uh, email saying, "Yeah, so because of the uh, ensuing renovations, not all exhibitors will be able to." make it to the cut but unfortunately i did um that being said i'm wondering how many exhibitors were cut out i feel like the show space was a a, at least the vendors hall was a little bit smaller uh, than last year um and i know a lot of the wing uh they were doing renovations on was on the far side where artist alley used to be artist alley this year was a lot lot smaller yeah it's it was it was not great this year. I like I I get it. Like they didn't have a lot of options, and they did they did their best with what they had. But holy moly, there was just it was just wall to wall people. I was like just trying to walk around the tables. I was just profusely sweating, and that was like on the day where I was wearing like the sleeveless Goku shirt. You know, like so so I wasn't like I didn't have any layers or anything, and I was like just dripping sweat from how many people and how hot it was like there and i i feel really bad for all the artists that were sitting there all weekend <laughs> i mean it's near a comic-con i i'm even despite the renovations i still feel like in terms of unique attendance numbers i still think it beat san diego comic-con i know at least for like the la- the two years before so for 2015 2016 i know the unique attendance numbers for near comic-con surpassed san diego which is really really mind-boggling to think about and i i am i wouldn't be surprised at all if unique attendance numbers for this year beat 210k it was all it was a lot of people it was like i mean new york comic con's huge already but like i felt i definitely felt like an increased presence this year and i I guess it's natural because like nerd culture is just becoming more and more mainstream um but like this year this year, I feel I felt like the crowds were a bit more pronounced because like the the exhibit space was a little bit smaller due to the renovation. So, but what can you do? Cons are cons are line cons, and you know you just gotta wait, you just gotta beat the crowd. Yeah, yeah. But besides the the, the you know congestion, what you see, what you do. Wait on lines a lot, but I did get to play Dragon Ball Fighters. Oh snap! I'm so jelly. I. I also got to play Bloodstained, and I even got to see Igarashi for very briefly. You know, the daddy of Dracula. Hell yeah. He invented Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's Blade's daddy's daddy. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't He didn't invent Dracula. But he did, he did make Castlevania, so that was cool. Um, got to meet Mega Ran. Hell yeah. Again. Hell yeah. But let's, it was nice bumping into him. It's cool. Like, just he's just hanging out. I, I, that's... One of the things I love about Comic-Con is that you could just accidentally bump into somebody. Yeah, I, I accidentally bumped into Neil Adams, but he was, yeah, he was like in line for the exhibitors hall and trying to rush to Artist Alley. Uh, but yeah, Neil Adams, very famous for like, for like 70s Batman, Silver 
age comic book art. So pretty cool. I got to meet Lita, who's like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Oh yeah. So that was that was super cool. I like when I was a kid, um when Lita was just like becoming super popular, the WWE at the time, WWF was like doing this promotion where if you collected a certain amount of like um proofs of purchase or whatever and sent them away they gave you the very first lita action figure ever and i did that and i got the figure so yeah so it's cool like i never thought i'd i'd ever be able to meet her because she's not a wrestler anymore but they were doing like wrestling wrestler meet and greets at one of the booths in the block area which i was walking around just by accident because i was killing time before the uh doomsday clock panel and i was just like ah what am i gonna do let me just walk around here i haven't been here yet and she was just right there and i was like yes so happy so that was really cool um yeah that was my and then of course the doomsday clock panel which was super cool got the ash can copy of the first six pages and it was cool uh listening to them talk about the book excellent so that was my that was my experience more or less, and and you got to, you got the pose with Jotaro. Oh yeah, they had a giant Jotaro statue that you could pose with, and I went two days in a row to do that because yeah. Mm-hmm. This media, you're rocking it with with all the exclusive swag and that really cool displays, and you know the the, the statue is beautiful, and they're also st- uh, they're also handing out like Boruto or Naruto or Yu Gi Oh. Um, hats like really, really silly, but really cool freebies. I love it. Speaking of JoJo, I could not get one of those exclusive figures. I'm so sad. the the Ban the Ban Presto Jotaro figure. Um, I got it. I know you got it. I like the it. Super Master Stars piece. Oh, <clears throat> let me see. I'm oh, so word. I'm so mad. I'm so sad. Oh, is that it? Yes. Yep. Stop rubbing my face, Dad. It's so beautiful. I need it, and it's probably overselling for like. Three times the price now, so I mean they that they were doing that on the show floor itself. So yeah, so I, I was planning I was planning to get in line Saturday. So, but the thing is, like I I mean I wish I I wish I stayed a little bit longer because I was told like the line significantly cut down because I, I I think people a lot of people were in the visibility line for some Boruto stuff, but I'm I'm exhibiting. And the weird thing about working uh, or exhibiting at a con, you're there at the con, but you're not there. So a lot of times, um, you know, I, I can't leave. And uh, Saturday was a busiest day. And I couldn't, I could, I mean, at the time, I didn't know how long the wait would be. Uh, it could have been like 30 minutes. And I'm, I'm here, to, I'm there to work. So uh, maybe one day, maybe one day if, if it's not. You know, it doesn't burn too big of a hole. Maybe I'll try to find another band presto, um, or maybe if Viz Media is at another comic book convention, maybe they'll they'll still be selling that. I don't know. Is that, was that a New York Comic Con exclusive or? It's that's what that's what it said on the nah. the things that they were handing out. It was just like a, I mean, you can like you can physically go online and buy them from Japan. I think like you can go to Play Asia. I'm sure. And find some because they have different colorings. It's it's just like the the Goku statue that came with the Xenoverse Two Collector's Edition, where you could you can buy the Super Master Stars Goku, but 
the coloring is different and the Xenoverse 2 coloring is exclusive. So maybe it's a New York Comic Con exclusive ah. color variant or something. But like you can get the statue. It's just like different variant colors are exclusive and whatnot. Yare yare desu. I'm so sad. Kanoshida yo. You can come over and you can like touch it. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll be like, uh. Zawaldo! And like five seconds later, you find it gone. Uh, Alright, well, I mean. I, st- I mean, I, I, I can oogle it from afar on the interwebs or in Stan's room. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing about being an exhibitor. You're there, you're not there. So my my Comic-Con wasn't as colorful as Stan's. Uh, I was mostly at the booth. Uh, I still had a cool cool time at the booth, but there was a lot of cool things that I wish I could have seen, especially like, you know, Viz Media booth and more JoJo. I think my biggest, my biggest uh, Comic-Con moment was um i got to sneak off for a little bit and what some of my favorite comic book creator teams were in the artist alley so uh i've talked about this many times before um but i'm a really really huge fan of the the strange tales of luther strode or just like the luther strode trilogy um written by justin jordan art by trad moore who's also who also did the art for uh, the first arc of Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider, and uh, Felipe Sombrero, who did the uh, the coloring for the for the book, and uh, for like Luther Strode, and I also believe for I also think he he did coloring for for Ghost Rider, and they're all there sharing a booth, and I got to I got to see uh, Trad Moore. Uh, I haven't seen him since. 2013 2013 2014 uh that that was when uh the last arc the legacy of luther stroke came out so he came by with justin to third eye comics in annapolis so i went there i got my copy of issue one signed also got this really cool exclusive print Uh, i got a photo with them they were really awesome and uh it was really cool my friend raven uh uh, a couple of months ago, she tagged me, and there's this really cool uh, uh, website that, that does like really cool superhero theme uh, hoodies, and they released them in waves. And this past wave, they had this really cool Robbie Riaz Ghost Rider hoodie. So I was wearing that uh, on Saturday, and when Trad, uh, when I saw Trad, he was flipping out. I was like, oh shit, that's so cool! Wait, and he was he was really he really really loved it, and I snapped a photo with him. I came back later, and I got a photo with uh, the the creative team. I picked up the book. It was really great. Um, Justin is a pretty good friend of mine. Um, he he's he lives in Maryland, so I see him all the time um, at like comic book signings and other local conventions. Um, but it was really great to have the the whole creative team all together. I got some really cool photos with them. Uh, other than that. Um, I got to see a lot of cool, a lot of cool exhibitor friends of mine. I'd like to give a shout out to Jamin from Unknown Games. Uh, Jamin, he's the, uh, the marketing, he's like the lead marketer or marketing executive for Unknown, Unknown, oh, I'm sorry, Unknown Method. So I talked about this before in a couple, couple, or actually more than a couple episodes ago, maybe like last year. Uh, he's... He helped create the Japanese the card game, 
so he's there again. Um, he picked up, or he they're doing a, a relaunch edition, so it's all brand new content, all brand new art. So I picked up that edition of the game. It's re- it's really fun. It's a really great deck building game to teach you how to learn or teach you how to uh, build Japanese sentences, vocab, grammar, and it's a really fun game. So I got to see him. I got to see people from Shark Robot, uh, excellent people who uh, do amazing, amazing screen-printed t-shirts. And Oh, my other highlight, I saw all the Adventure Zone cosplayers. Like, literally all of them. I mean, I couldn't make it to the panel, which was happening on 10 a.m. Saturday. So, Clint McElroy, Travis McElroy, and uh, Carrie Carrie Peach, um, they were all there talking about details for the upcoming Adventure Zone graphic novel. Um, I, I, I couldn't make it, but I, all the Taz cosplayers who stopped by told me it was a great time, and... Uh, naturally, like I guess, I feel like we're like the only tabletop gaming D and D adjacent booth at Comic Con. So I guess naturally, all the Taz players stop by. So literally, like three quarters of my photos from Comic Con are all Taz cosplayers. So it was it was really cool, and that that totally made my weekend. Nice. Yeah, for me, besides meeting Lita was de- and Mega Ryan was definitely. Dragon Ball Fighters. That game is so good, mm-hmm. Chris. That game was so good. Oh yeah, speaking of Dragon Ball Fight, I think well at the time, I think this was after New York Comic Con, but I think they released news that there's like a SSJ two Gohan you could play in Dragon Ball Fighters now. They he's 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 part of the character roster. Gohan, I think they confirmed Gohan for a while now, but yeah, Gohan's there. He was on my team at Comic Con. That was my team. My team was like. Trunks Gohan Android 18 and it was a lot of fun. It it felt like the natural progression from Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which sounds weird. Like it feels like this is an alternate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 with like none of the characters, just Dragon Ball Z characters. It's just it's really fast. And I didn't get to spend too much time with it, but but what I played was really cool. And it, it seems simple, but not like dumbed down you know so, what, you know what like i mean simple like to pick up but hard to master i, or uh, not, I guess maybe. i feel like if you've if you've ever played a fighting game before if you ever played war vs. capcom it like it feels like the way it's supposed to like tagging in ca- tagging teammates and like firing off special moves and it took me a little bit to get used to or rather figure out how to use all the special moves once i was doing it it was pretty much the way you would expect it it just it felt like I didn't even need to look at the moveset. Like, I was just pulling off moves, just utilizing muscle memory and things that I've learned from other fighting video games. So I feel like if you've never played a fighting video game before, it might be something you need to look at. But I feel like if you've ever played a fighting game before, it might be second nature to you. I feel like... Yeah, pretty much. Like, just... Doing combos and stuff, I'm sure, is going to take a lot of practicing. But I feel like just jumping in, I feel like anybody can jump in and just play it and have a good time. And it's super colorful. And it looks it looks like Guilty Gear, the new Guilty Gears, and how they do the, the animation. So I love so like, the seamless really cool. transitions between one round and the second round. It just it just looks like straight from an anime. Yeah, it's so good. I can't wait. I can't wait for this game. I'm, I had the collector's edition pre-ordered. Yeah, so do I. I'm, it's going to be so good. 
I'm pretty sure that I'm going to buy a fight stick just for this game. Like, I've really? been thinking about really? it, and I feel like I'm going to go all out for this Dude. one. The last time I, I did that and bought a fight stick was for Street Fighter 4. Damn, son. That's awesome. For the 360. So, like, I feel like it's time to get is there, one. For this. Is there a Dragon Ball Z Fighters theme fight stick? Because that would be so. No, but I think I might try and customize my own. Okay, okay. I think that's. Because you could buy pretty affordable like basic fight sticks for the ps4 and then you can always just mod them like add different buttons and stuff and sticks and add your own art and i feel like that's what i'm going to do and make my own dragon ball fighters fight stick did you know there was a dragon ball z collector's edition arcade joystick for the ps2 yeah it's like this really dope purple fight stick with goku and was it for super dragon ball z uh i'm trying to figure out which ps2 game it was uh oh i think it was for uh oh for budokai uh dragon ball z budokai limited edition ps2 yeah that's pretty cool yeah um i would yeah normally i i wouldn't i i think dragon ball z fighters is one of those games where i would totally customize okay so you know what a hot take what would your fight stick look like i've already been thinking about it so i'm gonna it's i want it to be purple buttons okay and like a, a like if you customize your own you can get different shapes for the stick there's like one with like a ball on top or like a bat shape and i kind of want to get like a bat shape and like an eight way like octagonal like thing so it's not just like a, a round movement you know what I'm, you know what I'm okay saying okay. it's just it goes like dun 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 i i can't really explain it because i don't know have i don't have any real experience we should get Johnny Lamb back mm-hmm. on Iron Lambo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he can so he can explain some of this shit to us. But like the way the fight stick moves and just purple buttons and some some sort of Dragon Ball art on it. I might I might want to make it themed if it's gonna be purple buttons. Maybe I'll do like Frieza or something. Yeah, but we'll see. That'd be dope. Okay, for me, I I have one or two ideas. One, it's gonna it has to be. Like a Broly theme color scheme, so you got like, like the it's his greenish hue, so maybe like green buttons, uh, that represent like his eraser cannon or like his his key aura, and then like that dark maroonish color for his garb and like, uh, like and l- little splashes of white, uh, that or maybe it'll be like green like Shenron and like the buttons would be like the same color as the Dragon Balls. Uh, and then you have to just, like, the, the stick itself with the, the knob will just be, like, a four-star dragon ball. Or, or I was thinking maybe, like, the, uh, it would look like a scouter, and then, like, the buttons have, like, Saiyan script that stands for, like, squares, a triangle, and L1, and R2, or, <laughs> I don't know. I just want, I want three different spice sticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. I don't know. What should I do, Stan? I love Broly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she go with Broly. I was thinking you get you get like green crystal like see through buttons for the for his his aura, and then like gold and red yeah. for like everything else. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And then and then I'll I'll, I'll I'll do like a custom button where actually I Broly's not even this confirmed this game. I wish Broly's gonna be in this game, <laughs> but I just want a button where like it, it like it like hits and then it's like a move. For like a transformation, it was like a macro for a transformation. It was a macro for like an ultimate combo, and it just it's just Broly saying Kakaroto, and then just it just I just I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I'll probably have to use some soldering irons and try to find some vo- custom voice box and try to I don't know try to record it. 
from from like Dragon Ball Z, the one of the Dragon Ball Z Broly movies, or maybe maybe Kale, maybe both. I don't know. I'll just have both of them. I'll have both of them in 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 okay. one fight stick. All right, Chris. <laughs> I'm getting really excited, Stan. You went from like not considering this at all to like it being your only mission. Yes. <laughs> the, the the enthusiasm is real. I'm really yeah. I'm easily amused. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very happy for this game. I think I think we all are. I think unanimously. Game of the year, 2018. Like, what up? <laughs> ah, we gotta see. We gotta see. Gotta get. Gotta get Ryan into it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, question: Did you get to play as Android 21 in this demo? Or I feel like no. I don't even know if she's confirmed playable. She might just be a story mode oh. character. There's, I think, the build that we were playing on. I I'm not certain, but it could be like the same one from the beta. Because the beta happened right before Comic Con, so and and like Yamcha and Tien, I, I feel like weren't in it because I would have totally used them. So it's definitely like before they were confirmed, but after the beta, so I had those characters in it. Okay. Ah, uh, really? Twenty one. Please be care. Please be. It please. plays as good as it yes. looks, and I can't wait. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, stay tuned and pick up those Clutches editions. Uh, I know Namco Bandai tweeted and posted recently, or somewhat recently, I think like two days ago, saying they're getting low in quantities for Clutches editions. So we hop on that. Uh, it's a really dope edition. It's got this badass um, Goku statue. It's got a steel book. It's got a couple of character cards. Um, I think there's two other things in there that i'm missing but uh, i think it's it costs like 130 dollars but holy shit it's a really it looks like a it's a it's a really really good collector's edition i think and namco uh namco has, does really good i mean the xenoverse 2 collector's edition is badass and um they, they could they do a good good job yeah if you want a mold of goku like yelling in your face then you should look into it <laughs> cool oh um so stan do you want to talk about this this nest classic boy do i it's good it's good it's good like it. you like it yeah, yeah. it's yeah. small it's small it fits in your hand and you put it on your table and, and there's two controllers and and it has all all the games a lot of the games you might want to play if you ever had a super nintendo it, back in the it day it wasn't as hard to acquire i mean i know you like pre-ordered it from three three different sources and i know they said they're gonna do a a second wave later in the year, right? I feel like I feel like if you want it, eventually you'll get your hands on it. But it was easier for me. It, I wouldn't even say if it was easier. It was just like I was more prepared, prepared from what happened with the Nest Classic, and also I just really wanted this one because that the Super Nintendo was the console that I grew up with, and all the games on there were games that I either really like or have never finished and a couple of them I never played before period and so I this was the most cost effective easiest way to get those games and to play them I recently finished Yoshi's Island on it which is like the first Super Nintendo game I've ever had so it was great revisiting that it's really it's really interesting being able to play those games again but with the super nintendo controller it's like a different experience than playing the virtual console for example because i have mario world i've got um link to the past on the 3ds and i had earthbound on the wii u in the 3ds and the wii and you know i've had 
these games previously on the virtual console but it's like completely different playing it on something that approximates super nintendo with a super nintendo controller because it just i just had this weird flash when i was playing super mario world with the with the super nintendo controller because i realized that i it had been like maybe over a decade since i played it in that context and it just felt like a weird very vivid feeling of like nostalgia just playing that in a way that i wasn't even expecting because i was just like yeah i played super mario world like a billion times like everybody has right but like on on the super nintendo with the controller it's just a completely different feeling and don't nobody come to me don't at me about no retro pie shit because fuck that it's better this way i like the save state stuff i like the the rewind feature it i will i will say that i wish that they i wish nintendo mapped the reset and the rewind features to the controller like some sort of button combination instead of because in in order to rewind the game you have to actually create a save state which requires you hitting the the reset button on the controller so if you're sitting far away you have to physically walk over the to the console and hit the reset button and then press x to do to jump into rewind mode and it's like a whole thing but they hacked the Super Nintendo Classic, right? It's it's out there. You can you can hack it, and one of the things that you can do is that you can map the reset button to the controller instead of just on the console. So that alleviates alleviates that issue. Yeah. So far, so far, I'm having a great time with it. I I just they give you a whole bunch of different outputs for the display. You can do pixel perfect. You can do four by three. You can do CRT, which does the scan lines and, and makes it a little fuzzy. So it can approximate what it looked like playing on, on an old CRT TV. And it's kind of the only way to make Donkey Kong country playable. Cause that game looks ass in pixel perfect mode. It's just, it just aged really badly. Um, Star Fox also kind of aged badly, but like when you think about what they what Nintendo is doing with Star Fox on the Super Nintendo, it's pretty impressive. Just like the 3D graphics and the Super FX shit, and yeah, I played a little bit of Star Fox too. That was really cool. Um, but I'm saving that for beating Star Fox because I never played Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. So I wanna I wanna get through that, and I really just I'm enjoying it a lot. It's it takes me back, and it's like a good way to revisit a lot of these games in a way that you haven't been able to in a long time. Like, for example, Yoshi's Island. Um, Nintendo has released Yoshi's Island on the Virtual Console before, but it's always the Game Boy Advance version. So this is the first time since the actual Super Nintendo that you can play Yoshi's Island as it was originally created to be played. So that's super cool. Um, But in general, I'm just... It's nice. It's nice going from like your super connected, like ultra modern PS4 or PC where everything's all connected and everyone can see what you're doing and like you're sharing screenshots and shit to like going through this little simple console where you're just playing these like simple but also in their way complex games and revisiting your childhood. And now I, now I seem like an old man. <laughs> you're not what are you talking about you're i, only I like, feel like i'm old like, now what, like 29 you're done no not yet 28 Chris, thank 28. you you're so young <laughs> you're the same age i am listen i feel old reminiscing now like what's going on it's fine it's fine <laughs> anyway super nintendo is great if if 
if even half of these games are games that you haven't played before or don't really remember, I think it's worth getting your hands on. If it's if you're of the age where you vividly remember the Super Nintendo and you played all these games, then maybe not. But like if it was something that you might have missed on or a couple of those games in there are games that you haven't played before, I think it's definitely worth it. It's got Earthburn it's got Earthbound on it. Done. That's that's like that's Come like on. Stan's golden like holy grail right there. Yes. You play you can play Earthbound with a Super Nintendo controller. Case closed. You you can't do that unless unless you pirate it or you don't pirate it or you pay like a billion dollars on eBay. And don't pay a billion like, dollars unless you have that kind of money, but you could do Yeah, and you're probably gonna get a repro car anyway, which is not even the the real thing. So you just got duped. You're a sucker now. What are you gonna do? Oh, you're just gonna buy the SNES Classic anyway. Yeah, I I really feel like I mean I totally it totally escaped my radar, and like so I didn't do it in the pre-orders, and I didn't you know didn't really do my homework about SNES Classic. But um, unlike Stan here, I do, I don't have as much of a history with the SNES because I didn't grow up with the SNES. Um, I mean I did, but I usually did it by proxy by like playing the SNES when I went to my family friend's house you know we played like Mario and Kart and um, Donkey Kong I'm trying to remember what was the other games that we used to play very often um, uh, it's escaping at the moment but you know I, I grew up with us as a Sega kid so I grew up with, with the Genesis and I know like they, they're re-releasing the Sega and like there are similar consoles um, but then I think, I mean, I, from, from reports is not, I mean, the, the SNES, the SNES classic shortages are not as extreme with the original NES classics uh, from what I heard. And they're also doing re-releases and restocks more frequently. So that's good to do. So, uh, eventually, um, I think I'll, I'll pick one up too. Cause there's, I think there's like a huge chunk of like video game history that I've missed out on. Um, like we said, I think it's worth yeah. it, Chris. If you can get your hands on it, it's totally worth it. It's got Zelda. It's got Zelda. And it's got Mario. Uh, I really want. Pl- it's got Yoshi. Yeah, re- yeah and I really want to play. Star- it's got Ness and, and, and Ness and Earthbound. And all, all- it's got Kevin Falcon, but you don't see him. You only see his okay. car. But it's got his it's car. Okay. You got you got Donkey Kong. How, wait, how you many? You got Diddy how Kong. Many games are there? You got Cranky, Cranky Kong. Kong. <laughs> you got Donkey Kong in, in a go kart wearing a tank top. That's dope. Because it was it was very hot <laughs> that day. So he's just, in the jungle. He he's in the, he's in the like, that's, like, I don't know. He's wearing a tank top on the on the Mario Kart. Sounds dope. How many games are there? Like thirty games. Twenty. 20. Still and uh, twenty one plus Star Fox two. Ah. But twenty the the NES Classic had thirty, but I feel like the quality and the complexity of these games compared to it like justifies the the difference in size. Um, but yeah, Super Metroid. It's got it's got a Samus on there. There's a lot. There's a lot to love. So I'll pick one up. Street Fighter Two has got is got Sagat in there. You can throw tigers all oh day. Tiger. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, let us know if you love this this NES Classic and what are your favorite games and what are you looking forward to with Nintendo when they're. With all their re-releasing, you know, we, we we possibly have a Game Boy or Game Boy Color, maybe a GBA Classic on the way, and with with that patent we we discussed about in our new section, 
Um, Everyone's talking about the Nintendo 64 Classic, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I... I, I I know this will never happen, but I want a Dreamcast. A Dreamcast classic. I just say God, just give me a console with your greatest hits on it. Like your crazy taxis, your Shenmue, your Soul Calibur. Um I just want I just want Soul Blade. Soul Blade. Yes, yes, of course. I uh, Ikaruga. I mean I know Ikaruga was was featured a lot on like the GameCube. Um but yeah, but give me the Dreamcast version. Yeah, the OG version. version. So good. Ikaruga. So good. Um, Sega, please. Sonic Shuffle. Sonic Shuffle. Not that Sonic one. Sonic Shuffle. Don't bring that one. Leave that one in the past. Yeah. What's that? Fantasy Star Online, please. Oh, so good. Fantasy Star Offline. <laughs> bring that. <laughs> that too. Sega Senpai, please notice us. I need... JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yes. Dreamcast yes, version. Yes, Dreamcast version. Oh, God. Don't remind me. That, that's... I don't have the Bad Presta statue or the PSN version because they took it off in 2015 or, or 2013. One of those years. I don't remember. So bring it. Bring back JoJo. Get that license back. Bring him back. Bring him out. Bring him. Bring all. Bring out all the characters. Indeed. indeed. <sighs> what's another? What's another Dreamcast game? Uh... Ready. Ready to rumble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I'm ready. Are I'm you? So ready. <laughs> <I'm> so ready. <laughs> oh god. Ah oh, man. Oh, you want to move on to a couple of pulls of news? I kind of want to look at more. Dreamcast okay, let's look, at, let's look at more <laughs> Dreamcast games. Uh, Dreamcast games. Get grind radio. Oh, fuck. I can't believe I didn't how think can, about that. I, yes, I'm a failure. I'm the skies of Arcadia. Well, just at radio and Jet Grind Radio and Star- Stars Arcadia. Power, Power Stone. Stone is one and two. Hell yeah, best fighting game ever. I need it in my life. Resident Evil Cold Veronica yes, X. No, yes. that X was PS2. Resident Evil Cold Veronica, not X. Oh, dude, House of the Dead Current. two. Yes, yes. Space Channel five. Oh, oh god. Um, Street Fighter three, Third Strike. Yeah. Hydro Sea th- Man. Hydro Thunder. I need Hydro Thunder in arcade and in Dreamcast and in PlayStation four. Give me all of it. Bring out that Sea Man. Where's Leonard Nimoy at? Rest in peace. Bring him out as a seaman. Sa- Samba D Amigo. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two. Yes, let's best, go. Best one. Best one. God, man, I. Do you know how hard it is to find Power Stones and Power Stones Two? That's not like just gutting just you for PSP all your monies version, and everything man. is worth. Oh, it's, I, just get the PSP. Uh, just do that I one. Know. Well, I, I, I grew, I grew up with the Dreamcast and the Power Stones. Oh man. Me too. Man. Sonic Adventure 1. Yes, yes. Uh, Dead or Alive 2. Yes, I remember this. WWF Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. ECW. Uh, <laughs> Alright, that's enough naming video games. No, no, one more. Samba de Amigo. It's a re- I already said oh, that sorry. one, Chris. Man. Guitar Man was originally from the Dreamcast. Yeah. Was it? Hell yeah, it was. Yo, bring that shit right now. <laughs> Sega, where you at? I'm calling you up. Uh, okay, okay. Calling you up right now. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, man. I didn't know you had... Hold on, I'm calling Sega. Man, uh, that that uh, that PR job is treating you well. You got a, you got a direct hotline to, to Sega? Are they answering? 
Yo, Andy. What's up? Yo, call Sega, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Are you listening? I'm listening. All right, call Sega. Tell them. Okay. We need Guitaro Man back. Tell them we need Guitaro Man back. Yeah, we need him back. Bring him back for the, for the Dreamcast Classic. You're on Super Nerd Pal. Say hey, hi. Yo. <laughs> I figured I was on Super Nerd Pal. <laughs> uh, say hi to Lucy. Happy for birthday, me. Lucy! I will. Chris says happy, happy birthday. Any, anyone who's listening, bring Guitaro Man back. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, love you, love you, love you, Andy. Love you too. Love you too. Alright, <laughs> bye. He's not Sega, but but he knows somebody. I'm sure. <laughs> He's got connections. Yeah. Bye. Anyway, we're, we're done. done. We're, we're done. done. <laughs> it's over. Move on. Uh, Stan, do you have any comic book pulls for this week? Do, do I? Spider Gwen number twenty five is coming mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, that starts the Gwenum arc, which I've you know I've been out of the Spider the Spider Gwen game for a bit. I haven't been following it too closely, but this is Robbie Rodriguez's last arc as the artist. As you know, he and Jason Latour created Spider-Gwen, and they've been doing the series together for quite a while now, for a couple of years, and his his tenure as the artist is going to be over as soon as his arc is done, and yeah, it looks it looks really cool. I like Gwenum's art, like how she looks, her design of her costume. Yeah, there was a really, really cool Gwenum cosplayer who stopped by my booth. Uh, it's incredible. Very, very on-point character design. Yeah, and because because it's not the main universe, they could do whatever they want. Gwen could be Venom forever. Woo-hoo. Who knows? They're they're emphasizing that <clears throat> things might not be the same, like for real this time, for actual real. So I hope since Robbie's going out, I hope they they burn the house down. <laughs> and I want to see I want to see some shit get go crazy. Do it up, and also break Mary Jane over her <laughs> knee like Bane. <laughs> And then Mary Mary Jane, you know, takes back the cow from Peter Parker and I don't know, breaks Gwenum. Mary Jane Al Ghoul and yeah. she comes back <laughs> in the Lazarus <laughs> pit. Mary Jane starts what's it called? The the League the League of Spiders. Just like a, like entire worldwide clan of assassins and ninja ninja warriors or ninja spider warriors and you know. She take she ascends the throne. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, but it turns out Aunt May is the real racial ghoul. Oh, along. Oh, Mary Jane was just a pawn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trying to reclaim yeah. the the mantle for Peter, who doesn't, who's not even Spider Man in that universe. But whatever, she's she's like Madam Web. She can see all all the Peter Parkers throughout history. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was dumb. <laughs> Let's move on. Batman the Drowned yes, number one is yes. coming out. The evil Aquaman Batman. Uh, I can't wait to yeah. see this one because Dawnbreaker was buck wild. I haven't I haven't been able to read the the robot, the cyborg Batman one or the full red death Boy, one. Wait, the cyborg really... the cyborg Batman already came out? Oh shit. Yeah, that that came out before Dawnbreaker, I think. What? I actually. thought it was only the Flash and then then it was Green Lantern. What how did I miss the Cyborg one? I th- yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure the Cyborg one is uh, out. we need the fat check cuz the- Go ahead. Do it. I'll I'll wait. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so this is from an article on Batman News 
or Batman-News.com. The ter- Batman-News. <laughs> My favorite <laughs> website. So, quote, uh, with names like the Red Death, the Murder Machine, the Dawnbreaker, the Drowned, the Merciless, the Devastator, and the Batman Who Laughs. Uh, it's pretty clear these creatures mean business and prove just how dangerous the Dark Multiverse will be for DC's heroes. Uh, the terror begins on September 20th with Batman the Red Death, number one, by Joshua Williamson, uh, Carmine Del, or Carmine Di Giandomenico, followed by Batman the Murder Machine, number one, written by Frank Thierry, with art by Ricardo Federici on September 27th. Alright, so you're totally right. And, uh, oh my gosh, I just, I just noticed that, uh, Dan Abnett, favorite writer, uh, one of my favorite sci-fi writers, he wrote Batman and the Dawnbreaker number one, and no wonder that yeah. shit was fucking crazy. And like I, I know, I blew Stan Stan's mind a couple of episodes ago, where uh, Dan Abnett, uh, he's a very popular writer in the 40k or Warhammer 40k universe. He also wrote um, GOTG, um, which is a lot of the basis for uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He's also written. The story for Alien Isolation, which is a very excellent game, and he's he's no fucking yeah. wonder. Uh, wow, yes, Dan Adnick, keep killing it. That's awesome. I was just like, why is this book so Dan like, that's freaking why, Adnick? Because also, well, was... you know, Dan Adnick, he's also releasing another uh 40k book. Um, he's very popular for the the Eisenhorn trilogy, uh, starring. Um, this Inquisitor named Gregor Eisenhorn. He's a very very popular. Uh, uh, character in the lore of 40k and all the fluff. Uh, he's releasing a new book, so that's just more adnet. Yes, I love this. Um, anyway, going on with uh, Batman the Drown number one. Uh, this goes on sale October 18th, and then it's gonna be followed or concluded this month with uh, Batman the Merciless number one on October 25th. Is that the Superman? I one? believe so. Yeah, written by Peter nice, Peter nice, J. Nice, Tomasi nice. and Francis. But aren't they doing the the Batman who laughs? That's, that's the last too? one. I think Isn't that's, that's also... the, the one starting in November. I would say if you're not like following this uh, event, so to speak, it's definitely worth picking up these Batman one offs because they're like one and done little Elseworlds tale that like do they connect in the end towards the Dark Knight's metal thing but there you don't really need it like i picked up dawnbreaker without having read any of it just because i like batman as a lantern and it was like nuts so if you're like yeah these sound cool but like there's this whole event going on you there the way that they set these one-offs up is just nice so if you like batman you like some like dark evil shit going on with batman like definitely like so Check I got. I, I'm gonna. Saying. I'm gonna try to story break the plot for Batman: The Drowned. So Joe Chill, he's a he's a uh, sea adventurer and a scuba diver, and he goes down and he he discovers the city of Atlantis. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna be I'm okay. Gonna, I'm gonna be. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be <laughs> Joe Chill. <laughs> I'm gonna be rich and famous, and then and then Joe. Wait, <laughs> hold on. I'm sorry. I gotta say that again. For anyone who who wasn't paying attention, because they were like working on the email or some shit, Joe fucking chill found Atlantis. It's yes. done. Forget yeah. it. Don't stop looking. 
Joe Chill found Joe, it. Joe Chill. I don't know why he went and he shot some people in the in the fucking alley because he found no, Atlantis. Yeah, so Chris. yeah, he, he he's okay. Maybe maybe he's part of the team that finds Atlantis. I think it'd be hilarious that he's the one leading it. No, no, no. Joe Chill yeah. fell in the Gotham Harbor. Okay, so so Bruce, like this this version of Bruce Wayne, he's like he's like he's like he's. He's Bruce Wayne, but he's also Arthur Curry. He's like the prince of Atlantis. And so Joe Chill, okay. Chill goes to Atlantis. Like, oh shit, I'm gonna be rich and famous. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring back treasures unknown. I'll be f- well famed and I'll, all my art, all all these artifacts will be in the Gothic Museum. I'll be, be be paid handsomely for this. And then and then shit goes wrong. And then Joe Chill in this like this classic old timey um uh, what's it called? Scuba diving suit, like you know, like 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 Bioshock, like the big diving helmets and stuff. And he had his arm with this giant over-the-top harpoon gun. Bam! Two shots. He kills the king and queen of Atlantis, and Bruce Wayne slash Arthur Curry uh, becomes an orphan, and he wages an entire vendetta and war on the surface world. So he grows up, and he, 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 I don't know, I don't know how. Maybe maybe he's. Maybe there's like some crazy sea bat in the cre- uh, in in like this world's um, fauna, and he is, he gets inspired, and he becomes like this terror of the ocean, and he raises all of Atlantis to the surface, and he wages war on the world, and his first target is Joe Chill and Gotham City. <laughs> Stan, you're, you're like stunned to silence right now. Listeners, the quest is over. Somebody called History Channel up. Because Joe Chill found Atlantis. And unfortunately, Atlantis is coming for us. Is, Atlantis mean, mean, he, he doesn't mean... Like it's a bat Aquaman, you know? <laughs> he just summons like... And I, I, now I'm definitely solving this issue. Because what the fuck? Uh, bat Aquaman just summons like every horrific you know, creature of the deep. Like all your krakens and all your anglerfish and all your sharks and... Oh, this would be awesome. I just want I just want Bat Aquaman to be riding like riding on a giant deathly chariot pulled by flying sharks and 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 like he's he's like hurling giant krakens with drills on their faces and they're like torpedoing into uh they're torpedoing from the ground like service to air missiles and hitting Gotham City. Alright. <laughs> you can see why Dark Knight's Metal is one of my favorite co- crossovers of you know in recent memory, because this is my yeah. shit. I'm still waiting on the trade. I hope that trade comes out soon because I want to read it. Uh, yeah, so Joshua finds Atlantis and then everything goes to hell. That's that's what I'm thinking happens. I can dream, Stan. I can dream. But yeah, is that it for your pulls? Yep, that's my pulls. Cool. So yeah, I'm really interested in Batman the Drowned. Uh, so um, like every one of these dark multiverse Batman titles are just so freaking cool. Um, I just wish they'll just have, I'll just, I just want them to keep making more of these Elseworldly titles because it's just really fun to play around with the space. And, you know, like we discussed about before, um, you know, DC, the DC, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, the DC extended universe or the DC movies, uh, they're, they're establishing their own pseudo independent imprint where they're going to be exploring more of these one shot uh elsewhere movie types of titles but how cool would it be to have like a dark multiverse uh line of movies but in live action i want that right now um 
So, yep. Batman the Drowns on my pools. Um, there's also something really, really interesting I found out about or during my research for pools. Um, there's this brand new title. It's called Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil Number 1. This is uh, from Dark Horse. And it's written by Jeff Lemire, who's really a really, really awesome um, uh, comic book writer uh, with, with art by David Rubin. So, Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil Number 1. It's a spin-off comic from... Or it's a spin-off comic... Um, that's tied to Black Hammer, which is uh, also written by Jeff Lemire, and it also has um, art by people from The Sandman and Hellboy, so Dean Ornston and Dave Stewart, respectively. And said, I feel like this comic would really, really appeal to you too. So Black Hammer, it's basically. Uh, Jeff Lemire's answer to the question of what happens to the heroes who are written out of continuity. So, um, in this in this story, um, I think the Black Hammer is a team, uh, like a superhero team that operates in Spiral City, and there's this giant uh, apocalyptic level crossover crisis level event that happens, and um, the five members of the superhero team. Um, they wake up uh, in this this rural farm, and they find that they can't leave and they can't like escape the realm. So they they just end up um, you know just trying to live out their lives on this farm, you know, and also trying to cope with like the weird shenanigans that happens when with all of them having powers. And it's a way. To, it's like a fun way to answer like what happens to all these heroes that are written out of continuity in so many other comic book crossovers. Um, and it was really well received. And now with this follow-up comic, um, it's, um, it's based on Lucy Weber, who's a daughter of the black hammer. And she's a investigative reporter for one of the, for the Spiral city's new, leading newspaper, the global planet. So a uh, tongue in cheek reference right there. And she's hap- uh, she's researching what happened to the superheroes after they defeated, uh, or how they saved the world from this cli- uh, from this crisis level event, but they seemingly disappeared. And it goes into this weird descent into darkness as she investigates uh, and looks for these answers in the villains of this universe, specifically uh, her greatest foe. And um, this insane asylum, where all these other evil doers are residing, so it says it's, it sounds like a Jeff Lemire tongue-in-cheek uh, meta, like meta commentary, uh, taking place in like a similar setting to um, a serious house, on, or, or I'm sorry, taking place in a setting similar to Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious Earth. Uh, which is written by Grant Morrison. It was also like a very uh, psychological, um, philosophical, metaphysical exploration of Batman uh, through a, uh, through a tour into Arkham Asylum, one of the most famous um, um, like uh, uh, locations in comic book uh, history. 
Um, so look, it sounds really cool. I've never read Black Hammer, and you know, I'm diving to kind of blind, so I might have to pick up the, the trade and this at the same time. And another reason why I'm really excited about this is Mike Mignola of Hellboy fame is doing a variant cover for this, so it looks really cool. One of my favorite artists. Hell yeah. And uh, that's it for the pools. And uh, we're going to wrap it up with my review of Jackie Chan's latest film, The Foreigner. So thanks to Phantom Comics and uh, XTX Entertainment, I got to get free passes for an early screening of The Foreigner. So I, I saw this on Monday? No. No, I'm sorry. It was Wednesday. Wednesday evening. Um, so this movie was uh jackie chan's latest film it was uh it's a uh it's action thriller directed by martin campbell and written by david marconi it's based on a 1992 novel called the chinaman by stephen stephen leather uh so this was a partnership between british and chinese uh movie production studios and it stars jackie chan Pierce Brosnan, um, uh, Katie Long, and some pre- other pretty cool British talent. And it's basically Jackie Chan as Liam Neeson. <laughs> um, it is like it is like one of the most intense roles I've ever seen Jackie Chan play in. Um, you know, Jackie Chan always said he wanted to move away from martial art films and wanted to do more dramatic uh films and uh and he, he also uh expressed one time he wanted to do like musical and singing as, as well so this is jackie chan i think in his most like experimental phase i mean uh, when you come down like jackie chan is super talented stunt man uh, and martial artist and actor but most like mo- like 90 percent of his movies uh jackie chan plays a lot of the same character he plays uh like a incredibly talented and gifted uh martial artist uh alongside a very comedic doesn't want any trouble uh happy uh like uh easygoing kind of character like you see uh, a lot of this character archetype uh replicated in most of his films and in this film uh he plays a uh, he plays a. Um, I'm not quite sure if he's a U.S. citizen or a Vietnamese citizen, um, but he's, he's he's of dual citizenship. He uh, when the film starts, he's a British citizen, but I don't know if he's originally American or Vietnamese in terms of citizenship. But um, uh, he's uh, Jackie Chan plays a restaurant owner, um, and he's. Um, hanging out with his daughter, uh, who's his last surviving member of his family. He escaped Vietnam, uh, but lost his two, do- two other daughters and his wife, uh, due to Thai pirates who I think ended up either enslaving them and or killing them. Um, and at the beginning of the film, uh, his daughter is killed in a motorcycle bombing, uh, that, that was targeting a bank. And um, Jackie Chan turns out to be this man who just wants closure, wants answers, 
And due to a mix of politics and bureaucracy, um, he descends a path of darkness and he goes full Liam Neeson. He goes full Rambo. We find out that Jackie uh, Jackie Chan is a former uh, special forces operative and he knows how to create bombs. He knows how to kick ass. He knows how to find you at your uh, when you think you're at your your safest and most secure. And he tears up the entire country on a on this quest for vengeance and and retribution. Jackie Chan brings such intensity and gravitas. Like I've never seen him look so dark. I've never seen him look so broken and destroyed. I've never seen like him be so badass. I'm like Jackie Chan. He's done. He he's he's done plenty of badass things, and he does a lot of martial arts fighting. But see Jackie Chan like doing like special forces op stuff, like like making bombs out of out of like everyday household grocery store items, and like using like Jason Bourne level levels of like spying and espionage and tracking. It is creepy and amazing and intense. And I, I, I want more of this Jackie Chan. Like, I want him to flex his muscles more and to do, like, like really stretch his horizons of what, of what, uh, of what he could do with acting. Uh, Pierce Bronsman, uh, he plays, uh, an, a form, a former, uh, IRA, uh, member and a politician. And he just chooses scenery. Um, and, the two are wrapped together in this really intense revenge tale. Um, it's like it's like a mix of like Rambo and Taken and Death Wish, uh, with like classic Jackie Chan stunt work and martial art fighting. Um, it's just it it has you on the like I I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. The soundtrack is really, really dope. Uh, it has this really amazing synthwave uh, retro soundtrack by Cliff Martinez, which really, really like sets like the thriller aspect into high gear. Um, I yeah, I highly recommend it. So it's it's already out in theaters. Um, I really hope it does well. I I really hope uh, it opens up more opportunities for Jackie Chan to explore. Um, more of this type of movie roles and, you know, maybe give a greater flexibility, uh, and, and like more access. Cause I would, I want to see Jackie Chan do as many films as he can, uh, across, uh, just let Jackie Chan do whatever he wants. Um, and I think not too long after the foreigner came out, uh, there was news that, uh, um, renewed talks for rush hour four were in, play and Jackie Chan Jackie Chan's like at this age in his old age he's like not giving a fuck it's it's pretty funny actually like he was saying how he was saying publicly to like Chris Tucker like please let's do rush hour four before we're old and then he then he dropped another bombshell where he's like oh yeah I'm really willing to do rush hour four uh even if if it means killing off Chris Tucker's character I was just gonna say that you do that man you have rush hour four Chris Tucker gets killed in the beginning and Jackie Chan just goes on like a full take in like rampage yes. through yes. like los angeles yes yes oh just like beating the shit out of people with fishes and stuff yeah and the only person who can who can take down 
take him down is his uh, former former friend slash colleague. Uh, or maybe it's like a friend of his father's. It's none other than Donnie freaking Yen. Donnie freaking Yen has to take down Jackie Chan on his quest for vengeance. Yes, I want or, that. Or Please Donnie do Yen right is now. the villain who killed Chris Tucker. Oh my god, yes. And it's just like this yes. whole, like, they fight like on like on a building in the rain. Yes, in the rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hand to hand. Yeah, I think the no last, shirts. I think the last time, the, the end. The end. The end. Uh, I think the last time Jackie Chan and Donnie Yen had a uh, a movie fight uh, standoff was in um oh not what's it called Shanghai Shanghai Nights. Donnie Yen was the lead villain with the it was um Shanghai Nights was with Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson and Donnie Yen Donnie kills Yen Owen Wilson <laughs> and Jackie Chan goes on a rampage through medieval Europe. Yes. You heard of the Black Death? Uh, that was <laughs> Jackie Chan's <laughs> fists. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a really cool fight. That was um that was a really cool fight in um Shanghai Nights because there was a minigun that was flying around or the, the, that was continuously firing even though no one was was manning it. And then Donnie Yan and Jackie Chan were fighting and they had to dodge the minigun while the Wait, same time fighting on Shanghai the- Nights <laughs> takes place in the present. No, no, no! Like one, like a like an old school Gatling gun, the one where you has a hand crank. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so, uh, let me rephrase. It was a Gatling gun, an old school one. What did it fire? Older one. It, it fired bullets. Admit it, Wait, what time period does Shanghai Nights <laughs> take place in? Shanghai Nights is like um, it takes place in like London, um, like uh. 18, oh, I was thinking like 1800s? it's the medieval times and like oh. there's knights and kings and stuff. And I guess if you had like a repeating crossbow Gatling gun, I mean, sure. Just fire arrows just yeah. endlessly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. You know what? Shanghai Knights never happened. You know, let, let's, re, let's re- record it. It takes place in medieval times. And then you can get, what's his name? Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence from that Blast of the Past movie where he ends up, you know, he ends up, you know, living in medieval times and, and helps, what's her name? Queen Elizabeth start a rebellion and save the entire country. Yes, let's do all of that in one movie. Stand your face. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Foreigner was uh, a good movie? Yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah. I'll give it five out of five fists. Nice. Fist of Fury. And that cool. about wraps it up for the show, unless you have anything else to add. No, that's it. That's cool. for me. Cool. So this was Super Nerd Palace episode 133. Or, no. Whoa, 100... you phased through time, phased Chris. Through time and space. What happened? So this is episode 132. Great. Um, now we got we to gotta do a segment in the next episode where you just accidentally pop in a f- yeah. the second Chris from the past. <laughs> Chris and Stan and Andy and Ryan, don't read that one book. It's it will destroy the universe. Oh well. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any other podcast player of your choice. Uh, all you have to do is uh, either look for us or plug in that sweet, delicious RSS feed into your podcast player of your choice, and you'll automatically be subscribed to our show. Uh, you could find us on all the social media. Uh, you can find us on all the social media channels. So on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash 
Super Nerd Pals, or our official Facebook page, facebook.com slash Super Nerd Pals. You can find us on Twitter at Super Nerd Pals, Instagram at Super Nerd Pals, and Tumblr at uh, Tumblr, or I'm sorry, supernerdpals.tumblr.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K-Y-O Ninja for Hire. You can find me on Twitter. My name is Stan Gadurski. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Doom. Doom. And you can find Andy on Twitter. <laughs> it's okay. It's been a long <laughs> weekend. You can find Andy on Twitter at SweetJustice1. And you can find Ryan on Twitter at the underscore red underscore horror. And congratulations again to Ryan and Tom. And happy birthday to Lucy. Woo! Bring back Guitaro Man. Hell yeah, Sega. Please, listen. Um, and if you have any comments or questions or, uh, you know, just you want to shout out about The Foreigner or how Joe Chill killed Bruce Wayne and brought the rage of Atlantis onto us and now is on the History Channel, uh, just leave us a comment. Or if you want to uh, send us a question... Um, you can email us at pals at supernerdpals. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, pals, pals at, super- at supernerdpals.com. Yes, uh, it is tiring. I am tired. I can't even talk right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> let's end this. Let's end this. Let's go to Atlantis. Let's go, let's go find Joe Chill. Um, all right, so until then, um, thanks you for listening and see you next week. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.